0: Block Talk Radio
1: Kingway, Fox, Lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Siskel's wife,
2: Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk
1: A bad Edward is an idiot, Pakistan, Wolf is wed.
2: wearing red.
1: See this cat, can Peck's You Q is that, enough of that. free me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We talk about, about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to you on the streaming services now. We talk about the series.
3: Well, good evening, Trekkings and Trekkers around the globe, wherever you're listening from. It's Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means we are live. That means you can call 646- and join in the conversation. We'll be with you for the next two hours, so you should have us on speed dial by now. Give us a call and join the fun. We've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. Uncle Jim, myself, and my trek Spurts, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, um, A Moral Star Part 2. A lot to break down in that one. We're going to be discussing that. Also, in Star Trek news, is there a con connection in Strange New Worlds? I don't know, maybe Starfleet Academy, section 31. Are those new shows in the works? Perhaps. Yeah. Uhura's backstory might be explored. And we have our Star Trek birthdays, fan shout outs, and convention calendar. But first, we also have Star Trek... Uh, <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to be hearing from Eric and Paul, who did our first fireside chat, where... Um, They sat down and they tasted the Klingon blood wine. And we're going to talk about that as well. So you guys have some time to sit down, relax, and unwind. We're going to do our Star Trek um, fan shout outs first. And then we're going to dive into the Klingon blood wine. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, and have a good time. Hang out with us for the next couple of hours. You guys can find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. And at the top of the page... You'll see to live long and prosper. Just go over there. Tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has picked you for a future fan shout out, and you want to tune into the next podcast to hear your name. So without any further ado, let me introduce our Trek experts. We'll start off with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric?
4: I am doing pretty good. I started out the night with slight technical difficulties, but I am online here, so if I sound a little weird
3: or a little delayed,
4: it's okay. It's still me.
3: We, we'll we we'll let it slide this time. <laughs> and we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Vegas. How you doing, Charles?
5: Uh, I'm doing good. I think in... Respect to Uncle Jim, I am not going to talk about the weather, but I'm ready to talk about a lot of stress.
3: Yeah, yeah, my tauntauns went on strike. We don't even want to go there. <laughs> they had I, enough. They...
5: Say this. I'll say <laughs> this at least. I'm not in Los Angeles, and I'm not in Phoenix. I'm happy about that.
3: Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, guys, as I said, um, if you see a heart next to your name, that means that yours truly picked you for a fan shout-out. And you want to tune into a future podcast to hear your name. So, Eric, let's get started with our fan shout-outs. What do you got on your list?
4: Uh, I've got some good ones. First, we're saying hello and thank you for listening to Nataliano Fasolato. I am a trekker from Padova, and I can only assume that means Padova, Italy, uh, which I understand is absolutely beautiful. So thank you very much for listening to us, Nataliano Garland Smith from the great state of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Thank you and a big complot to you, Garland, for listening to us here this week. We're also saying hello to my homie in my home state, Josh Holub from Oregon. I don't know where, buddy. We could be 15 minutes apart or uh, six hours apart, but you're from Oregon, so that's pretty cool. Hello, Josh. We're also saying hello this week to Danielle Castaneda, Castaneda. Uh, from Milano, Italy, I have two folks from, from Italy, so Danielle, thank you for listening to us. And we're also saying hello this week to Zeb Massina from Dunedin, New Zealand, way, way, way down there, Zeb. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. Charles, who is on your list?
5: Well, I got one I can easily translate from their description. I want to say greetings to Joanne. Follow. you mentioned just south of San Francisco, Redwood City. Oh, you're in the South Bay. Yes, I used to live in South Bay down in San Jose back in the 80s. So, yes, I know where you're at. Beautiful city. Top fan, Susan Ray by Wyoming USA. Carol Latham from Denton, Texas. Minda Krewitz, from the Poconos. Ah, you have a unique race tra- NASCAR racetrack in your area. And Robert Daniel Chips from Gates, Tennessee. And we got Jim,
3: who probably found somebody in New York City. Oh yeah, I always I always have people. From New York City isn't that strange how that works out all the time so, I know it's it's weird isn't it but that's the way it goes so um, I'd like to say thank you to listening to Lisa Feline Crawley from New York City which is our number one listeners is New York City that's our number one spot so Lisa is listening from there, so thank you so much, Lisa. We'd also like to say thank you and kapla to Gabrielle Sherwood from Hickory, North Carolina, Rebecca L. Brown from Riverbank, California, Laurel Tai from Ottawa, Canada, and last but not least, Richard North, who says hello from Worcester, UK. So uh, thank you very much to each and every one of you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you guys, so thank you. Thank you so much. As I said at the top of the show, head to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and uh, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper. And just tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name, that means you're going to be on a future fan shout-out. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. Well, guess what? It's that time, guys. Up next, we have Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines to discuss the Klingon blood wine and... The first of our six fireside chats with Eric and Paul, our resident resident wine tester. So you guys definitely want to stick around. You don't want to miss that. Kapla. <laughs>
6: Zazkalas Bolognichok
1: Gosh.
3: All right, guys. So we heard the Klingon wine song. That means we're in the mood for some Klingon blood wine. So Eric and his friend Paul sat down as our resident wine testers and were nice enough to do a fireside chat for us and talk about the wine. So. Without any further ado, here's Eric and Paul's fireside chat on the Klingon blood wine.
1: Welcome to the United
4: Fermentation of Planets, where no glass has gone before. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Gosh Hi. Um, I'm
4: Eric with Track Talking, and I've got with me my good friend Paul uh, from Portland, Oregon. Paul and I have known each other for a number of years, and we're also joined by special
7: guests. Galloran here, <laughs> the playmate's figure from the 1990s, which Paul brought with him. Which because is, it's not nerdish enough to be sitting around drinking Star Trek wines without bringing some kind of toy accessory into the mix as well. Because otherwise, go big or go home, right? That's Eric? right. That's Thank right.
4: You you have to have it all. And he's even got the blood wine cup. And in case things get out of hand, he's got a mech left um, to
7: take care of business. So <laughs> this is a good thing. Or in case he can't open the wine bottle. Maybe it'll come in handy for that. Which right? I must I mean, tell
4: you, I'm a little worried about with this bottle.
7: So um, Don't, man. Don't. So today – That's openable. Yeah. So I'm telling you. This looks really cool. So
4: um, Trek Talking was fortunate enough to be contacted by the good folks from Star Trek StarTrekWines.com, and they uh, were willing to send us something called the Armada 6 which Uh, is one bottle of each one of their um, signature wines here. Many of them come in fancy bottles. There's reds and whites, um, and they have super cool descriptions of them on their website and that sort of thing. And uh, Paul and I are going to be enjoying these bottles together over the course of the next six weeks or so. Uh, And we are starting today with the Klingon Blood Wine. And the Klingon Blood Wine looks that looks really cool.
7: So what you're saying is you want to start kind of from a subtle perspective, right, and then gradually get crazier. Okay. I kind of felt like, you know, punching each other in the face right away was a good place to start. I did
4: make Paul promise not to head you know. like <laughs> There'll be none of
1: that. No, no. This, uh, so, um, so this bottle
4: uh, has some Klingon on the front, um, which is really cool, and I looked this up, and uh, first of all, it's got a big Klingon symbol right on the front here, and then underneath it is a Klingon saying, and the the Klingon translates as, drink now, for tomorrow we may die, Um, which I think is apropos to any Klingon and then there's yeah this whole thing back here. So I, do you care to read that thing? Can you read that back there? Because I thought it was a really cool. Um,
7: just the bottom part? No, the or the whole, whole thing. The
4: whole paragraph here, yeah.
7: All right. And do you want to just read it uh, like just, we were here? Okay. Yeah, let's just read it. Since the dawn of the empire, Klingon mythology speaks of captains and generals carrying barrels of their favorite blood wine into battle to celebrate their victories. For more than a millennium, honor, duty, and tradition have been the cornerstones of
6: Klingon culture. Bloodwine has long been part of the Klingon ethos and played an important role in uniting the great houses.
7: Bloodwine is ritually consumed by warriors
6: being inducted into the order of the battle.
7: Utilizing the same ancient methods as the Great Glynon the grapes used to create this traditional blood wine were cultivated to
6: produce strong fruit, vibrant colors, and bold flavors. Fill your goblet and rejoice, for tomorrow we may die!
4: Oh, that is just, my blood is literally running faster than it was. Four minutes ago, and just I'm already getting pumped up for this. And your
7: hair is a lot longer too. <laughs> it looks like you might be I don't know in Molly Hatchet or Slayer potentially. Uh, it, it
4: happens, you know. The forehead sort of starts to take over, and everything sort of slides to the back and becomes long and glorious.
7: Before you know it, you've got weird silver spurs on the front of your boots. It's just you know ridiculous. You're taking apart your wallet, and your phone, and making a gun out of it. It's just you know these things happen. You drink enough blood wine, you never know. Yeah, you never know, and you know. <laughs> It, uh, you just you blame it on someone else's house if something goes wrong. There are 24 of them, uh, 23 of which you can blame something on and not That's be culpable. That's a lot of fall guys. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is how the empires it's how it's thrive weak. for so long. <laughs> That's right. It's a <laughs>
1: uh, Honorably,
4: honorably success is what it says at the bottom of that. And I won't even plan to try and pronounce it in Klingon. It's like, can you
7: pronounce Klingon? Now, um, is it phonetic? Well, I don't know. I don't Which think, part of uh, my here? This right here, black.
1: black there we go. Very nice. That's done. my, you know. That's
7: our. That's my. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll do it much better after I've drank some of this. Stuff, so. <laughs> We've been joined by midnight. Uh, my dog will come and go as we, uh,
4: as we enjoy our wine here. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think? Should we crack this puppy? Let's
2: do it. All right. Let's do it.
7: All right, well, what do you think? Should we crack this puppy? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So, um, there's a mighty sheath of wax on top there, which, not surprisingly, is red. It is red, and it is extremely thick. Uh,
4: I think uh, I read something on the website about each one is expertly hand-dipped. Uh, in Lack, and this is where we there. hope
7: that Eric doesn't like sever a thumb oh my gosh. and make a trip to the emergency departments. We don't want that to happen. It's so, know, despite the you know the tendency towards you know unbridled mayhem that Klingons have, be careful, my <laughs> friend. Yeah, just for these last few moments here. Uh, let's
2: see. Here we go.
7: He's gonna do it. Let's scrape it off here. It's like uh, sh- it's like
4: peeling a candle. There we go.
7: Excellent. Ooh. Okay. So you take Ooh, the wax the top. Look at that. Right on top. I'm seeing it. There's the symbol. There's a nice point on. The symbol. glorious. Klingon Empire. Uh, Gosh, I hate to poke a bottle opener in that. It's, uh, <laughs> so I beautiful. believe there was some uh, in the, some of the Klingon marketing material I saw. It said that there would be a unique phrase right on each I do on think each I believe I remember I that. I believe so. so. Not yeah. spoiler alert here, but i I'm, know. you know, but we don't know what that phrase will be. Well, let's give it a try. Hopefully it's in English. Otherwise we'll have to pull out our Klingon translator. Yeah. All right. Hello, midnight.
1: Hi,
7: buddy. Hello. I'm gonna try some of this line. All right, here we go. Uh, oh, it's around the edges. Oh, well done. Smoothly
4: done, sir. Mm, nice. Taking a whiff of the cork. That's, it smells really
7: fruity to me. can yeah, let see what we got to work with here. Uh-huh. Okay, there's all kinds of uh, graphics on here. Holy smoke, it's all in on. It's all in graphics. And then uh, there's a... Web address or two, and it does kind of require that one be
4: able to read Klingon. It does. I'm not sure how to translate yeah. that without uh, inputting symbol by symbol. So we'll have to Good maybe uh, save that and give that a go another day. Because uh, that's not
1: going
7: to be easily translatable. But You know, a little funny. known fact about Galron, right? He's a terrific orator. Great speaker, but he's illiterate. He can't read. So and, you know, we can't, you know What are you gonna do, Galron? You know, what are you gonna do? He's just not he's able right to help here here us out. And he can't uh, even help us. You know, he's he's used to just using his words to get what he uh, wants, <laughs> not read the words of others. So well, this is kinda nice because the court
4: can uh, act I think is just about the right height for uh, to be a stool. For hours, I think right? so. I it's if he drinks time. so
7: much he can't stand up on his own anymore. Yeah, I, can't be like, I will just rest myself here. <laughs> Sweet, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's do what it. Go on. All let's right, all you, I'll let you get it. So
4: Paul's going to give our first pour here.
7: Uh, looks really Back nice. To there, super reddish, purplish. And what we know, and we don't know much, but we know something. We know that this is in fact a Cabernet. Okay. Right? That's, yep. That for sure we know. And it is perhaps if the house of Gauron had an earthbound relative. They might be living, maybe at the E2 Family Winery in Lodi, California. Possibly. Ah, Lodi, California. That's right. that's the sense I get from from looking at some of the fine print on here. There's a lot of warnings about sulfites and the Surgeon General and operating machinery. So do not try to operate the transporter right. after you've re- leave that to the sober professionals. I never thank would. You. I never would. I never drink and transport. All right. All right. Take a nice look at those. Yeah. Here. We're recording in a nice sunny daylight room, so you can get a chance to actually hold this up and check it out in the, uh, in the sunlight here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is... What are you noticing? That is deeply red and rich. That is no uh, Beaujolais Nouveau. That is something thick and eddy.
4: It's a really beautiful color. It's, I don't even know how to describe it, a deep burgundy, purpley color. I really like the smell of it myself
7: oh yeah oh, that's nice that's a monster i like got um some yeah it's really it's really flavorful i mean it, that's the kind of wine
4: i like is i like a, a wine that does punch you right in the face yeah from, a little bit more of a
7: are you a, more of a white guy uh, white 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 no guy no i'm a red wine guy but, i'm the uh, same way yeah and right. i love zinfandels and
4: things like that yeah, that are big same here big and bold and this has um it's it's got it's really fruity which yeah. i like Um, And it's not too dry. I don't like those wines that are a
7: little kind of, what is that word, panic or something that
4: that coat your tongue a little bit too
7: much. Yeah. This has got a lot of super deep fruit to it, almost like a... Almost like a You had an angry, uh, <laughs> an angry <laughs> jar of, of like Marionberry jam in your fridge, right? Oh, yeah, That's cling on Marionberry. Yeah, it just been, yeah, just been <laughs> right. I said. I'm tired of waiting to be spread on someone's toast. Let me out. Yeah, very super berry, very super forward with that. Um, I got to tell you that we're um, two thirds of the way into this bottle, and it still
1: tastes pretty good.
7: I well, think so. It's had a chance to, as they say, what do you say in the wine business? It's opened up a little bit. Yeah, it's had a chance to breathe.
4: Yeah, it's um, to me, it uh, is less of the, and I don't know a lot about wine, so I might be just, I'm just giving you my off the cuff idea here. When we first opened it, it felt like it was super fruity, like yes. like it was all sweet and like, and now it's kind of mellowing out and becoming more
7: of a of a wine and less of a juice. That's probably a terrible
1: description. Wow. But
4: you know what I'm
7: saying? No, I think, I think that in terms of practical terms, that's a great way to describe it. Okay. I think it's scary. It was like super fruit forward at first. Yes. You're like, smuckers. Totally. It's you know. Like, jam. Wow. You said jam. Yeah, yeah, very jammy. Right? Yeah. And now it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of matured. Yeah. And I think it's got some air. It's had a chance. Okay. Chancellor Galron, right? Yes. Love the guy. But how effective of a chancellor is he when he first gets out of bed in the morning, right? Probably not so great, right? He's got to like, oh, too get much up. gawk, right? He's got to stretch. He's got to stretch the eyes He's open. He's got to get up. His eyes don't open that
1: wide. <laughs> <laughs> right there first. No, it
7: takes a few hours. He's got to walk around, maybe, you know, go to the gym, have lunch, you exactly. know, yep. spend some time with the with Mrs. Gowron, whoever the hell she is, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, or I, Mr. Gowron, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. What do I know? But, you know, and then later in the day, you know, like 5.30, Six o'clock, he is Gowron, and he's ready to go. Okay, Mm -hmm. that is this bottle of wine. It is. Okay, it's been awake for a while. It's had a chance to walk around the neighborhood, do its thing, Mm -hmm. get some fresh air in the lungs, Mm -hmm. and now it's ready to be Gowron. Eyes are wide Mm -hmm. Because we didn't know what we were in for here at first, right? Is this going to be the kind of wine where I'm adjusting the front of my uniform tunic like Captain Picard Mm -hmm. or is this going to be the kind of wine where I want to rip my shirt open like Captain Kirk we didn't know, right? This is a drinking wine Yeah, this is a drinking wine, for sure This is a drinking wine, yeah. yeah You know we're going to kill this bottle. You I know it are, seems like this is the. Well, you're setting a precedent for all of the other bottles. I don't think that you open a bottle
4: of Klingon blood wine and plan to only drink. Coffee. No, you do not.
7: Because because you would dishonor your house. We would dishonor your house. You and would dishonor
4: your. House. The the house of Trek talking will will stand and uh, be respected. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll
7: do nothing to bring it down. We will not be on some Duras podcast. Oh, no. no.
4: <laughs> well, as we, uh, as we sort of finish out this bottle of wine. Yes. Bottle of We wine. did okay. okay. I think we did okay. Cheers to you. On, on Cheers, sir. Um, it was really good. I really like this one. I think so, too. I feel like I would order this bottle of wine and, and drink it multiple times. Yeah. Thank you, Gauran, for being with us this evening, you are most welcome. You have been most helpful, and I hope that we have uh, glorified the Klingon Empire with the
7: consuming of this bloodline. And I think I think this one was, you know, aptly named as bloodline for sure. So it was. super ripe and mischievous and, uh, and trouble-inducing.
4: And uh, you could so drink it
7: whether you're celebrating or whether you're mourning or
4: whether you're just freaking hungry and you want to have a good wine with what you're eating or... <laughs> you're celebrating
7: the destruction of your enemies or the funeral of your great leader or... Perfect your, for all occasions. Or your betrothal to Lursa and Beethoven. Whatever <laughs> the situation may be, this is the wine for that festive commemoration. It is. So that is our take on Bloodline, friends. That's so. great. Thank you for letting me be uh, a guest in this. Thank you so much. It's my great pleasure. I really appreciate it. All right, that. I'm uh, going to have Scotty beam me up. Okay, and, that sounds uh, good. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye, friends. Take care. We're going to talk about something
4: we know you're going to love, Star Trek Wines. We've been following Star Trek Wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek wines from each series. The entire Star Trek Wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies. Jean-Luc Picard, the Klingon Empire, Cardassian culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks we're going to sample and explore each wine and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand wax dipped enclosures, 3D rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay liner notes crafted by writer una mccormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package the elegant chateau picard old world french crew bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real chateau picard in france over the next few weeks we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection as well as looking into the newest lines just released in 2021 an Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features the United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Kanar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. So join us as we go behind the scenes with the
3: team behind Star Trek Wines. <laughs> Well, we're lucky enough to have with us tonight live from Star Trek Wines um, in Maryland, I believe, is is what we talked about when we were on the phone. I believe it was Maryland. We have Craig Sperrier from Star Trek Wines. Thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be
3: here. We also have with us the one and only Paul who we heard on the uh, fireside chat with Eric. How you doing, Paul? Kapla, my friend. I hope my connection is sound. Yes, we can hear you fine. So so what did you guys think overall of the Klingon bloodline? On a scale of one to ten, what would you give it? Wow. Putting you on the spot. That's an, <laughs>
4: yeah, that's an interesting question. I would say that from my personal wine drinking perspective, like I said in the recording, there, I'm a big red wine guy. Like that, those are the types of wines that I personally like the best. So I would put this one right up there. I mean, I like I said, I'm no wine connoisseur, but uh, I this is probably about a nine. I mean, it was big, fruity, full, and then became complex and more interesting the longer it sat out and I think Paul and I took uh, we took about two hours to go through the bottle, and it was just it was like the perfect pace to kind of go through that bottle and just enjoy it and chat about Star Trek.
3: Awesome, awesome. How about you, okay. Paul? One to ten, what would you give it as a, as a wine person?
7: You know, I I, I got a second what Eric said. I I think the I think I'm hitting it with like a nine, frankly, just because it was satisfying, and it was. Fill the role it was cast to be. Right, it's supposed to be Klingon blood wine. It's not trying to be some kind right. of a softer, you know, innocent Pinot or something like that. It's supposed to be big and crazy, and it's supposed to evoke all that stuff.
2: And it did. And you guys
7: nailed it. You guys nailed
2: it right on the head. I mean, we spent a lot of time researching. Um, with the Klingon Assault Group and Klingon Language Institute and our, our um, award-winning winemaker put in the effort to bake this cab, which is uh, 85% Cabernet and 15% Merlot, um, really bold in flavor um, and vibrant in color. It has the deep, uh, deep reds. Um, but it is jammy. It's a jammy uh, Cabernet and it and the merlot softens it as you guys had uh, conveyed when it opens up it uh, the merlot starts to soften um the cabernet um as it it starts to open so uh, you guys uh it was it was perfect description of of what we set out to produce uh for this uh klingon bloodline.
3: Well, you Craig, know, really i have to say oh, go ahead. as a yeah. Yeah as a as a as a non-wine drinker and a avid klingon fan when i got my bottle i i just held it in my arms and i and i caressed it <laughs> and i stroked it and i just like i baby. was i just like oh my god the bottle it just it, it, Beautiful. It, everything about it screams klingon it's it's perfect for a klingon collector such as myself um the detail that went into the bottle the the cork it, like they said on their video it's it, it's dipped in blood Well, it could be blood it's blood red um the label everything about it is just is ultra klingon and i love it i love it yeah. <laughs> You did a spectacular we, job we we chose
2: the shape of bottle cuz it 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 fit well in your hand and it it, it fit like it was meant to be for a, a Klingon and then mm-hmm. you know i i I went to the extra detail of putting the silk screen mesh pattern yeah. on there to give it that that rough uh texture um, it's like it's as got well drip. as you know yes exactly um, and then we we used the Klingon logo with the uh, the bat lip around in the circle format, so it really has that um warrior uh, feel to it, and, uh, you know, the, the hand wax dip was an uh, addition we felt that this bottle needed to really convey um, uh, Klingon culture, I guess you would say. Um, it, we really went uh, and spent the extra time uh, with the details to make it
3: as authentic as possible. And Eric Eric noticed that on the cork, there's actually Klingon writing on the cork of the bottle, right, Eric?
4: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, at the time, uh, Paul and I, of course, were unable to <laughs> transliterate the symbol. But uh, since then, we actually have, I believe Paul translated this. And it, we we
2: got uh, the one that says, listen to the voice of your blood, which I, I really like that. Right. And I, I just opened like mine tonight. <laughs> you did. That's correct. And I just opened mine tonight, and mine says, May your blood scream. Duh. So uh, glorious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are little Easter eggs. <laughs> these are little Easter eggs we put in uh, every bottle uh, for fans to enjoy.
4: Well, not to, like, uh, you know, stroke Craig's ego too much, but I will say that the bottle design I thought was really cool. And so I, And the, and you mentioned the shape of the bottle. So I actually noticed that too. It's like a one-handed bottle. It's like a one-handed drinking bottle if you have a big Klingon hand and you could just like sit there and sip that puppy if you wanted to.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's got a great feel to it. Um, so we thought this was appropriate for, for the Klingons.
3: Oh, it, it's... I got to say, if if you're a Klingon fan, you got to track, you got to get one of these bottles. And you know what? You can go to our Facebook page and you'll see a link to Star Trek wines and you'll get a 10% discount. And you can go right to our Facebook page and order your own bottle of blood wine. And you won't be disappointed. Um, I'm not a wine drinker and I love the bottle. Just the bottle alone is just a massive collector's, um, item, I believe. Um, but I'm now, here on and Eric and, you, and Paul, Paul, I might actually uh, give it a shot and try it myself. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is you kind of don't want to open
4: it because it's so beautiful when the wine is in it. Uh, and I think I said this in the recording. It was really hard for me to poke the the bottle opener into that cork because there was a nice cling on symbol right at the top. And you're thinking, oh, as soon as I do this, that's it. Got a hole in it. <laughs> but the wine was so good, it made it worth it.
2: Beautiful, and this this is the second uh, of our series. Um, we started out in 2019 producing Star Trek wines. Um, uh, first series was the United Federation of Planets uh, red wine, uh,
1: uh, or Old
2: Vine That We released that with the Chateau Picard, and then the second year was the Klingon blood wine and the Univer- uh, United Federation of Planets, uh, Savion Blanc, which is a white wine, which we we did with the release of the Klingon Bloodline. So, as it was said in the earlier in the show, uh, Star Trek wines we we produce two uh, varietals, or we try to produce two varietals every year um, for fans. And um, this Bloodline is is a delicious uh, Cabernet, um, and it definitely is uh, a great tasting and a great Part of the
3: full armada, which we produced. And I also want to throw in that there's a beautiful full color poster that that came in the box with it, which I put on the wall behind my bottle of blood wine with my Klingon bat list. It's a very nice poster. It's got all the bottles, the Canar, everything is on there, and it's full color, and it's 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 really nice. It's a really nice poster. I was impressed. Yep. <laughs> I was very impressed. So uh, what, 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 what's next for the Star Trek wines? Anything you can tell us? Um,
2: uh, we are going to be releasing two, um, two new ones this year, the, one that we've been working on for, uh, for a while now, and, um, and they're both unique and are going to be a great addition to the collection. Um, you know, for each release, we've we've been debuting them at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. But for these next two that we're we're working on, we're going to bring fans along for the ride and give them um, a back back stage tour, back of the scenes tour of how of all the effort that we go that goes into producing these unique bottles, as well as um the varietals that we choose for each each of these wines for Star Trek wines. So, um we will be releasing uh bits uh of of our process as we go along, so um check out star trek com and you'll start to get some
3: uh ideas of what we're working on for this year. I have to ask you one question. When we were talking, setting this whole thing up, you sent me an ad for the Klingon blood wine that was in complete Klingon, and I loved it. <laughs> Couldn't read it, but I loved yes. it.
1: So, so, um, That's cool. I,
3: uh, luckily, you sent me the English word one that I was able to put on our Facebook page, but um, I put the Klingon one on my personal page, being a Klingon fan. Mm-hmm. So did you actually have that translated? Is that authentic mm-hmm. Klingon? That is authentic Klingon, and we did work
2: with the Klingon uh, Language Institute to have that translated, and they helped us through the whole process, the development process of the Klingon blood wine. Um, all the proverbs are saying that, that are on the corks um, were translated by um, the Klingon Language Institute and, and some folks at the Klingon Salt group as well. So if you go to Trekwines.com um, and go to the the bottom of the site, there is a link for captain's blog, and then you can see the, um, the full translation, uh, of our Klingon press release in Klingon. So it was a, you know, great honor to work with, uh, the folks, uh, at, the, at CAG and the Klingon Language Institute, um, and, you know, without their help, uh, you know, we, I mean, with their help, it's been a truly a great, authentic product that we produced. Um, we try to be as canon as possible and in the
3: universe when we release uh, our our wines. Yeah, and it shows. I mean, I, I like I said, I was very impressed with the bottle and the presentation and the Klingon language, the whole nine yards. I, I really felt like I was holding an actual bottle of Klingon blood wine. I was very impressed. You guys did a phenomenal job. Thank
4: you so much. So, Jim, just in case uh, any of our listeners are interested, to close out this segment here, I have a little bit of blood wine trivia. Did you know that Martok and Worf considered the vintage of 2309 to be the finest vintage of Klingon bloodline. So I cannot it, 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 as good as this uh vintage was. I cannot wait to see what you guys are doing in 2309. I just wanted to say that.
0: <laughs> yes. We
2: have we have a great bridal coming out in 2221. Um so that uh, it's a little hint of what's to come. Excellent.
3: And that
8: sounds very very cool.
3: Eric what, what is the next what are we going to be hearing from you and Paul on for the next one have you decided yet well uh, I
4: think what Paul and I decided was that we were going to pivot and we're going to do a white wine next so uh, so Paul uh, since you're still on the line I'll put you on the spot do you want to do the uh, the Andorian blue Chardonnay next or do you want to do the United Federation of Planets Sauvignon Blanc
3: next. Did we lose Paul? No, I think Paul, Paul should still be there. No, Paul's still there.
1: He can't hear anybody. All
4: right. Nope. Well, let's say until we hear from Paul, let's assume that we're going to do the uh, the Sauvignon Blanc next.
2: All right.
3: Perfect. So, so, so uh, yeah, drinking. so Craig knows Craig's what um, to bloody up on for the next one.
2: <laughs> and I and I know um, we're going to bring in my uh, winemaker Andrew Nelson, who just uh, got awarded uh, top forty under forty tastemaker by wine enthusiasts and the oh, one oh, cool. who uh, who blended cool. the Savion Blanc um, uh, for. Uh, for us and for this release, and it's from North Coast, and it's it's an excellent Sauvignon Blanc. Um, but he'll be able to fill in any of the details on on uh, the, uh, the the blending of that wine. Uh, that is fantastic. That's very very exciting. I
4: love being able to talk to the people who actually make the wines because you you kind of get an insight into their process and like just the way that they think about wine. That's that's very exciting.
3: And um, yeah, so you guys can head over to Star Trek Wines and check that all out. And as I said before, you can go to our Facebook page and you'll find the ad there for Star Trek Wines and you'll get a 10% discount if you click using that link. So you can get Blood Wine, you can get Chateau Picard, which I think we want to do near the end of our testing so that we can line that up with the release of Star Trek Picard, maybe if we can work that out. I, think, I yes. think that makes sense. Yes.
4: We plan yeah, we're saving the Chateau Picard for the very last bottle in our in our
3: series here. So Good. Yeah, that makes sense. So without any further ado, I want to say thank you so much to you to uh to you and Paul Bull for testing the wine for us. Thank you, Paul. I don't know if Paul's back or not. But um he says thank you, muted. Paul.
4: He says he's here but muted. So I'm not sure if he's muted or not. Okay. But uh
3: no, it, I, was awesome.
4: he, okay. he well, should, it was awesome. Okay, it was awesome to have be, him come over. Yeah.
3: No, he should definitely be on. <laughs>
4: All right. Who knows what's going on? But yeah, it was awesome yeah. to have him come over. So thank you, Paul, so much for. Uh, and we actually uh, just made a plan. We're gonna get together this Saturday and enjoy the Sauvignon Blanc. So uh, stay tuned for that next week.
3: Absolutely, and thank you, thank you so Thanks. much to. to uh to Craig for coming on for Star Trek Wines and he'll be joining us again next week as well. And I want to say thank you to Heather for contacting me and making this whole thing happen as well. So thank you yeah. so much to Heather for making this possible. That's Craig. And and kabla There you go. And we'll talk right. to you ka-plah. we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, guys, but wait, we're not done. We still have a lot to talk about. Coming up next, we have our Star Trek birthdays, convention calendar, Star Trek news, and our review of Star Trek Prodigy, a moral star, part two. So we got a lot of Trek talking to go.
6: Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
3: All right, guys. So it's time for our Star Trek birthday.
1: That
3: was not a Klingon song. And Grumpy Wharf says, "You know what? He had too much Klingon blood wine. (laughs) That's that's what he did." Too much blood wine. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So um, we always do our Star Trek birthdays and we start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. I don't know, Eric.
4: Can you hear me now? Can you hear me Yes, now, now we Sorry can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> More technological difficulties. Well, uh, this week we are Sam alive. Gilman, we... yes, it's true, uh, you never know what you're going to get. Um, so yeah, let's get started with our remembrances. So this week we're remembering Sam Gilman, who played uh, Doc Holliday, of course, in the TOS episode Specter of the Gun, one of those episodes that we love to uh, talk about on the show because it's just, I don't know, it's one of my personal favorites from TOS. So happy birthday to Sam Gilman. We're also saying happy birthday to Stefan Girash, who played the character Hal Mosley in TNG's episode "A Matter of Time." Um, Girash is—he's uh, a pretty prolific actor, actually. He uh, performed on television uh, and film from the early 1950s until 2009, and has uh, over a hundred television credits to his name. So, uh, happy birthday to Stefan. We're also saying happy birthday to actor Michael Strong, who played Dr. Roger Corby, the android, in US's episode "What Are Little Girls Made Of," our first android episode we get uh, in all of Star Trek. Uh, so happy birthday to uh, Michael Strong. We're also saying happy birthday to Miguel Ferrer, uh, who was the XO of the USS Excelsior, uh, Sulu ship in Star Trek III. Uh, but he's probably better known uh, for his role as Bob Morton uh, in the 1987 film Robot. Uh, he also played uh, FBI. Yep, and he, and he was also the FBI agent uh, Albert Rosenfield uh, in Twin Peaks. So if you're a Twin Peaks fan, you know this guy as well. So happy birthday to Miguel Ferrer. Uh, we're saying happy birthday also this week to Ronnie Claire Edwards. Who played the character of Talur uh, in uh, TNG's episode, Thine Own Self? Interesting fact about that episode, uh, her costume from that episode was actually later sold off at the uh, It's a Wrap sale uh, uh, auction on eBay. So uh, interesting little trivia there about Talur. Happy birthday, Ronnie Claire Edwards. We're also saying happy birthday to Jean Lyons who uh, played the character of Ambassador Robert Fox in TOS's episode, a Taste of Armageddon. Uh, he was another one of these actors from back in the day. Uh, he appeared in over 70 television guest spots uh, beginning in 1950, and he also appeared in a bunch of small parts in movies throughout the years. So prolific actor, but uh, just not a lot of credits to his name necessarily, but was out there doing the thing. So uh, happy birthday to Gene Lyons. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Ron, uh, excuse me, Roy Jensen, uh, who played the character of Cloud William in TOS's episode, The Omega Glory. Uh, Roy, he's one of those guys, he's got that like double chin, that chiseled double chin. You would totally recognize him if you saw uh, television back in the 60s. Um, He was primarily in Westerns. Uh, but was in a bunch of other shows, but he, he appeared a ton in Gunsmoke and Bonanza. So if you're fans of those shows, you would absolutely recognize actor Roy Jensen, who would have had a birthday this week. We're also saying happy birthday to Cecily Adams, who played the Ferengi Ishka in DS9's episode Family Business. Uh, she, of course, is the daughter of Don Adams from Get Smart, Smart and uh, one of the few Ferengi females that we get to see uh, in DS9. Did you know, this is actually a little interesting trivia, she, she played, of course, Armin Shimerman and Max Grinchik's mother on the series, but she was actually nine and six years younger than them, respectively. So she got to play the mom, but was much younger. So that's kind of fun. Uh, so happy birthday to Cecily. We're also saying happy birthday to Barry uh, Ingham. Uh, He, of course, was known in Star Trek as playing Danilo O'Dell from TNG's episode, Up the Long Ladder. Uh, But probably uh, the thing that I really find interesting about this actor is that he was actually one of the ones who was originally considered for the role of Jean-Luc Picard uh, in addition to Patrick Stewart. So, Uh, Your JLP could have been Barry Ingham, so happy birthday, Barry. We're also saying happy birthday to Judith Anderson, who played Talar in Star Trek III. Talar, of course, is the uh, Vulcan mystic who sort of reintegrates um, uh, the Katra from Bones back into Spock, Uh, so happy birthday to her.
1: And last
4: but certainly not least, uh another who has gone before us who has probably influenced Star Trek more than uh more than a lot of people out there uh, composer director uh Jerry goldsmith uh would have had a birthday this week um He's all over the Star Trek universe, of course he's also well known uh in the composing world for Logan's run, Planet of the Apes, alien. Poltergeist Gremlins. Um, he did five Star Trek moody movies and the main title themes for two Star Trek spin-off series. Uh, he was nominated for 18 Academy Awards. He won one. He also won five Emmys. Um, and he was nominated for the 1980 Saturn Award for Best Music for Star Trek The Motion Picture, which we always love to celebrate on this show, that Klingon opening. Oh man, that Klingon battle music is something else. Um, so, Jim, as a as a dude like me who loves his music, how would how do you remember Jerry Goldsmith?
3: Ooh, Star Trek the Motion Picture. Um, yeah, I think I think too. it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I, I think that uh, of all the soundtracks, I think that's the one, and not just of Star Trek. I mean, like like Star War. I mean, all the soundtracks. I think the motion picture is, is the pinnacle. I think it's a masterpiece, a total masterpiece. And uh, he also did the music in Star Trek V, which which I enjoyed as well. But I think Star Trek, the motion picture is the one. Like you said, if you go and you look, he's, he, uh, he's done so much. But I think Star Trek, the motion picture, in, in my mind, like you said, the Klingon battle music, even the theme, Star Trek, the motion picture theme, which um, was rewritten for for TNG and is still used today, actually. Um, yeah. And music is so, so important to setting the mood for anything. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll pick it apart if the music sucks or it's not right. But uh, he hit yeah. every note perfect in the motion picture. In if fact. He
4: hit every note
3: Yeah, I still wonder, when they're flying through V'ger and you hear the music, is that actually, is that the music or is that V'ger that you're hearing?
6: Uh, That's how good
3: the soundtrack is.
4: That's the brilliancy of that. And that, that whole, like, there's an era of keyboards that produce that, like, wide, fat pad sound that you get in the motion picture. And I... I just love that sound, and that's why. If you ever like, uh, unfortunately, you just missed one opportunity to see Star Trek the motion picture in the movie theater. Uh, I believe last year was its which anniversary? Forty. Uh, I lost track.
8: Thirty fifth.
4: Forty fifth. Forty two, I think. But anyway, it was back. <laughs> it was back in the movie theater. If you ever get the chance to see that movie in the movie theater with really good sound, you definitely should take it because uh, that soundtrack is something else.
3: It is. It really is. So and now, uh, happy
4: birthday to Jerry Goldsmith, who also uh, did Voyager, which is one of my personal favorite uh, themes. I really like the Voyager theme. It kind of evokes that whole like seventy thousand light years from home sort of feeling. So, uh, so yeah, awesome, Jerry Goldsmith. Happy birthday, Charles. You're up next, buddy. All
5: right, let's start off with Marianna Hill who played Dr. Helen Noel in T.O.S.'s Dagger of the Mind. And Pam Farrowan, who played Mary Janowiski in T.O.S.'s And the Children Shall Lead. She was also known for playing Lucy in the early Peanut Specials back in 69 to 71. Oh, cool. That was our first (laughs) Lucy. That's great. That would have been probably the Christmas special and the Halloween special. Ty Winters played Dylan Stout in Teen G the Wounded. Roko Psycho played the cast in TNG Starek. Hard to try to get some of those Romulan names pronounced properly.
1: I know. And They're not easy.
5: Wilson played the temporal agent Daniel in Enterprise. Definitely learned some interesting history from him. Well, up and coming future from him. Uh. Elizabeth Hoffman played Premiere yeah
1: Giovanni
5: Giovanni in TNG's The Price Jimmy Michael Bennett played Young Kirk in Star Trek 2009 and in My Unique Birthday uh, is a person who has a very famous father, he's an executive producer, including Discovery, Picard, Lower Dick, uh, Strange New World, but we could also call him Son of Gene, a very happy birthday to Rod Roddenberry. definitely somebody very important in Star Trek of uh, down the line.
8: Probably some
5: influences he had in his father in early Star Trek. But Jim, how about your list?
3: Well, um, we're going to start off with a non-Star Trek person, and I wanted to throw him in in contrast with Jerry Goldsmith, the maestro of music. He gave us instantly recognizable music from Jaws, Indiana Jones, Harry Potter, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Superman, Jurassic Park, and this little-known, seldom-heard movie called Star Wars. And, of course, I'm talking about John Williams himself. Happy birthday to John Williams. And as we were talking about soundtracks, I, I would put – in my opinion, I would put Star Wars right underneath Star Trek, the motion picture. And I'm talking the original Star Wars. None of this episode stuff, just Star Wars. I would put Star <laughs> none Wars.
1: None of this episode stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, none of this episode stuff. <laughs> you know if the first old,
4: one was called Episode 4, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't, though. It wasn't. It
3: was just called Star <laughs> Wars. It says,
4: right at the beginning, it says right at the beginning of the credits crawl, Episode
5: 4. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but, but not well, until right. later
5: in the in the in the VHS version, it had episode four
1: in it the did.
5: theater until until they released the second episode. It was originally just Star Wars. That was
1: oh, okay
5: at the time yeah. of the VHS release. Yeah, okay, so I've only people,
4: ever seen on VHS, so that's mine. The old yeah.
5: people.
3: Old people like me who went to see it in the theater, there was no episode. Yeah. It was just Star Wars, and that was it. There was nothing else. And so um, you put Star Trek, the motion picture, and then you put Star Wars, in my humble opinion. So we have both of the yeah. maestros of music in our birthdays this week. So happy birthday to Mr. John Williams. And between, between G- Jerry and John, Oh, my God. Every, every major movie, everything that's worth watching, yeah. they've been involved in. So that's yeah. incredible when you think about it. Of um, all the stuff that us would, that we would be interested in or most of the people listening to this podcast would know John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith. They had their hands, everything that's of interest to us. And that's awesome. So happy birthday to John Williams. We also want to say happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. From This is an interesting one. Uh, She played the science officer on Enterprise B and Star Trek Generations, but most people aren't going to know her for that. Most people would probably know her as um, Vasquez from Aliens. Uh, That's probably the role most people would know her for, but you might know her as John Connor's um, stepmother in T2. Um, She's the one that um, uh, is the Terminator, she's got the big silver knife and she stabs the guy through the face when he's drinking the milk. That was her. Um, so happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. And I think it's interesting that she has three crossovers there. And all all, you know, all three of those characters I think you would know if you saw them. So happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. We also want to say happy birthday to Julie Warner, who played Christy Henshaw in TNG's episode, The Booby Trap and Transfiguration. She was also in Doc Hollywood, which I had to go and watch yesterday. When, when that came up on our Facebook page. So happy birthday to Julie Warner. We also want to say happy birthday to Alice Eve, who played Dr. Carol Marcus in Star Trek Into Darkness. Another cool one. We want to say happy birthday to Sam Bartholomos, who played Danby Connor in Discovery of the Vulcan Hello and the Battle of the Binary Stars. And he got to come back and play his evil mirror self And Despite Yourself. He actually dies twice. He dies at the Battle of Binary Stars when he gets sucked into space. And then, of course, Berman uh, stabs him and kills him in the, in the uh, turbo lift in Despite Yourself. So happy birthday to Sam. We also want to say happy birthday to Caitlin Peterson, who played the young Annika Hansen in Voy's Dark Frontier. And uh, this, here's a pretty big one. We want to say happy birthday to Ethan Phillips. And Ethan Phillips was actually a Ferengi. He played Dr. Farrick in TNG's Menage of Troy, and he also played another Ferengi by the name of Eulis in Enterprise's Acquisition, but I think most people know him as Neelix from Voy. So, happy birthday to Ethan Phillips. I love
4: you, Ethan Phillips. Everybody, he, this is on Neelix. I love you.
3: Sorry. He's the bomb. Uh, <laughs> we also want to say happy birthday to Megan Gallander, who played Jaron in Voy's body and soul. she played mario and in ds9's invasive procedure and i think the role everyone knows her for is
1: faith mm-hmm. garland and
3: ds9's little green man that episode is so funny so
1: when they're funny. all banging so on their
3: heads and she thinks they're communicating <laughs> just just wow oh, i love Great. that episode Great episode. And I always do the Klingons, and I always do them last. And we're talking about Klingon blood wine on this podcast, so this is perfect that we want to say happy birthday and ka'bla to John Shuck, who played the Klingon ambassador in Star Trek IV and Star Trek 6. He also played the Klingon doctor Antak in Enterprises, Affliction, and Divergence. So happy birthday to John Shuck. And that wraps up our birthdays. Coming up next, we have our convention calendar. We have Star Trek News and our review of Prodigy. You definitely don't want to miss that. We still have a lot of show to go through. So please, don't go away. We'll be right back after this.
5: Hi, this is Subcommander Charles from Trek Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of truck spurts are here to discuss Star Trek and related science fiction content. And we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433, Thursday nights from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Coast Time. And we'll get you on the air to share your opinion. Or you can also find us on Facebook. We have faith that you will call.
3: And it's time for... Convention, 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 calendar, calendar, calendar. And please, please check with the venue for restrictions and rescheduling for any of the events that we mentioned on this podcast. Please contact them to find out any future information. Eric, what do you have on your convention calendar for this week? Uh, I
4: got some good ones, Jim. I cannot believe how awesome the names of these conventions are. We are tracking Super World Comic Expo, February 26th at the Holiday Inn and Suites in Overland Park West, Overland Park, Kansas. We're also checking out the Alamo Hero Con, Austin edition, February 26th through the 27th at the Palmer Event Center, of course, in the great city of Austin, Texas. And we are also tracking the Armageddon Expo, (laughs) Taronga, February 26th through the 27th at the Trust Power Bay Park in Mount Mangawi, New Zealand. Jim, what conventions do you have on
3: your list? New Zealand, that's pretty cool. Uh, We have Nerd Fest, February 27th, 2022 at the Holiday Inn, Philadelphia, South Swedesboro, Swedesboro, New Jersey. We have Middle East Film and Comic-Con, March 4th through the 6th, Abu Dhabi National Exhibition Center in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, and Fairfax Comic-Con, March 5th, Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, Virginia. And Charles, what's on your list? Well, let's start off with
5: our Comic-Con first, March 5th and 6th. Perth Convention Center and Exhibit Center, Perth, Western Australia, Australia, Con. March 6th, Courtyard by Marriott, Columbus West Hilliard, Columbus, Ohio. And finishing off with Northeast Comic Con, collectible extravaganza. March 11th through 13th, Boxborough Regency Hotel and Convention Center, Boxborough, Massachusetts.
3: Lots of good shows. Check them out if there's any near you, and have a good time, and stay safe. Coming up next, we have our Star Trek news, and for that, we have to
8: play our clip.
0: Priority one message from Starfleet coming
8: in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters
0: of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters.
3: Transfer of data is complete.
1: Black alert. Black
3: alert. And it's time for Star Trek News. And I'll start off. Well, actually, no. We have Nate. Nate, are you with us? Do we have Nate?
1: Hey, you got me. uh, Nate from Vegas.
3: Can you hear me? Is
9: is Nate from Vegas with with us? There he is. There
3: he is. First
9: of all, before I start into the news, Charles didn't want to tell you the temperature, but at the start of the show it was a lovely sunny seventy five degrees Fahrenheit here in Las Vegas.
1: I just wanted oh, to rigid. make
9: sure that that I'll be the one to tell you that I guess. Oh that's <laughs> it's now seventy three though,
7: so it's a little bit cooler.
3: <laughs> oh man. That's awful. I know. Uh, okay. So the, wow. the
7: news I have
3: for us today
9: is, once again, Star Trek Online-related. Uh, uh, starting yesterday, uh, well, of course, the 12th anniversary event is still going on, so you can participate in that to win your free Tier 6 ship for that. Um, uh, you have to just compete uh, or play for 20 days uh, to, uh, to earn your reward for that. Uh, But starting yesterday, uh, we have a Klingon recruitment event going on, Uh, so I thought it was kind of fitting, since we had our blood wine today, that uh, I had news, uh, other Klingon news to report. So, for in Star Trek Online, starting yesterday, running until March 9th, if you create a Klingon character during that time, it is going to be known as a Klingon recruit, Um, It could you can play a Gorn and still be a Klingon recruit as far as I understand because you're going to be working with You're going to be on the Empire side But if you want to play an actual Klingon like I'm sure you would Jim Create a Klingon character this month between yesterday and March 9th They'll be what's called a Klingon recruit and they will have special benefits uh, that none of your other characters will have Uh, so Mm -hmm. for instance Um, Let me go through this article here. They are designed to emphasize uh, the unique experience of being a warrior in the Empire. They have a number of advantages designed to close the gap that exists between new characters and characters that have been on uh, Star Trek Online for years, all built around the glories of combat. Uh, But these recruits have a secondary responsibility. Their mysterious patron is dead set on removing enemies of the Empire. After contacting Klingon, uh, yeah. After contacting Klingon recruits during the tutorial, so you have to start a whole uh, fresh character for this. So after the tutorial, they are likely to move against. Um, they're likely to move against these enemies, attacking additional dangers and rewards to missions along with uh, the Klingon storyline. Recruits who succeed in these, uh, against these enemies will find themselves with a new tier six bird of prey that is the bird of prey from uh, Star Trek Discovery. So it's that version of the bird of prey and it scales with your level. So as soon as you complete the tutorial, you're gonna be level 10-ish. And you'll get this brand-new Tier six ship, and it will get better and better as you progress to the max level, which is currently Level 65. Um, you will have a transponder in your inventory that, uh, that will give you details on special objectives that you can earn with this character. So uh, let me scroll down and see what some of these uh, things are. Uh, Klingon recruits can only be created during this recruitment event. Uh, These recruits can be uh, recognized by having a special symbol next to your character's name. All Klingon recruits will have an inherent bonus trait during the event of uh, periodically granting a cache of dilithium ore Upon defeating enemies, a bonus which extends to your entire group, uh, so if you're uh, grouped up in missions, uh, the Recruits Mysterious Patron appreciates the allies of their ally. Uh, this uh, trait will only be available during the, this month, this event, again, from February 9th to March 9th and the event will be uh, gone once the recruitment ends, uh, so gather your Dilithium ore while you can. However, lasting rewards are these. Additional rewards are gained by, uh, through leveling up, uh, playing through the story content, up through the Klingon Civil War story arc, and finding special Klingon recruit objectives on certain uh, maps, mission maps. Uh, many of these things uh, that players do while leveling their character will earn Klingon recruits improved rewards. Some highlights include the aforementioned uh, T-6 Bird of Prey from Star Trek Discovery, um, starship, uh, a special starship trait that provides uh, you an opportunity to cloak safely during combat and improves rewards for doing so, a special bat list that scales as you perform melee kills. This is uh, for your recruit, and so basically one per recruit, one per account. Um, ground personnel trait uh, that provides scaling bonuses for melee kills. Uh, again, recruit and account. Uh, endeavor perk uh, experience. Uh, ground universal kit. So that's a special item in your inventory. Uh, very rare duty officer and uh, crit energy weapons officer traits. Unique duty officers and a an unique admiralty card. Uh, so those are, and then uh, there's several gears and upgrades, marks that you can also get. But that gives you an idea of uh, now is the time. If you are a fan of Klingons, get on uh, Star Trek Online and create a fresh, brand new character during this time, and they'll uh, be a special Klingon recruit and earn all this good stuff right here.
3: You know what? I might have to. I already have a Klingon, but I might go back and start a new one just to get the batlas. and the Klingon ship. <laughs> so. Yes, because it's
1: again,
9: it's it's it, it basically it's like a thirty or thirty-five dollar ship you're earning for free. Just by creating this character
3: Ah, uh, but check that out So, uh, yeah. Charles, you've got our first story of the night here I do know you have
5: the first story of the night
3: No, but we're going to you
5: Okay Starfleet Academy series in works As Paramount Plus looks to further expand Star Trek Universe Star Trek Academy is in development at CBS Studios and Alex Kurtman's studio based secret hideout for Viacom streamers, sources say. Sharing his name with the late 90s video game, the series is set among the College of Cadets mentored for leadership roles in the United Federation of Planets Space Force. Dina, co-corrector, Gia... Philo is currently working on take for the project. With longer gestation, just Star Trek spin-off, Star Trek 31 starring Michelle Yee, expected to get a pickup soon. Starfleet Academy is believed to be in the next in the Star Trek, deve- Star Trek development pipeline behind it. During Paramount Plus's TCA executive session, Nicole Clements, President Paramount Plus, original scripted series, noted that Michelle Yee, led Section 31, was still in the works, and was expected
1: news soon.
5: <clears throat> Star Trek boss Kirkman speaking during the Star Trek Strange New World panel, later in the day, confirmed that the latest growth spurt in the truck universe revealed that there, if there is Another one besides section thirty one but added he wanted to keep a tight lip about the new series. Paramount plus executive Clements, piece even more shows in a structured universe. I think we have some fantastic offerings in our slate and I think I may see a few very few curtailed editions coming up, he said. Now personally I'd be curious which time? Which, timeline? Which time period? We could do this. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go more Bricard era? or Are we going to go into new? The series where they want to go with this one.
4: Yeah, it was funny, Charles, because when you were talking about the article, the first thing I thought of, of course, was Tilly, and you know, okay. exploring her character just a little bit more. But uh, it would. I mean, if this one is really in development behind section 31 and section 31 is still many, many months down the road, then, you know, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe they haven't even figured out what the show is totally about yet. They just have a concept.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's going to definitely be a Tilly thing. I think that they don't do anything by mistake. They have a, they have everything planned True. out. And they set that whole thing up with Tilly and the Cadets and and the new Starfleet Academy and Archer. What was that thing called? Archer. Um, the Archer space Dock. Archer. Yeah. That whole thing that I, I think that they're definitely going to do an Academy. And if, if they're going to do it, they're going to have a character on there to, you know, to attract people. So I, I think, I think we're talking about Tilly and, Mich- and Mary Wiseman did say that we definitely will see her again. But the next time we see her, it'll be in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I think that that's what, I think that's exactly what we're going to see. I, I think we're going to see a Starfleet Academy and Mary Wiseman will be the, the centerpiece of that. I could be wrong, but
4: I have to tell you that uh, like, personally, I'm so much more interested in a Starfleet Academy series than I am in a section 31 series. Like I just, I, to me, conceptually, that seems much more interesting, and, um, like, there's a lot more depth to it, whereas, you know, I, I don't know. The longer they wait for Section – I think I feel like they missed the window for Section 31, man. I, I Like, if they're still going to produce it, it's going to have to be really, really good, because Michelle Yeoh has been off the map now, and she's going to be off the map for, what, two or three years before this series
3: opens? So, anyway. Right. I'm really, I, only, I'm really excited about it, this Starfleet Academy. The only thing about a Section 31 is that gives them an opportunity to go back to um, to Discovery right. pre-future, where we still have Laurel, and we still have that whole, we still have Ash Tyler, and the, the right. um, fallout from, the, from Control, which we never really got to see, um, because Discovery yep. jumped into the future, so um yeah i mean you know i love michelle yo when she kicks the guy in the face behind her <laughs> oh my god unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable i just i love michelle yo and uh yeah i i hope that they can make that can happen I tell you,
4: jim just the other day i showed my 12-year-old crouching tiger hidden dragon and she loved that movie and part of it was because of michelle yo like that's the kind of power she has
3: yeah she 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 is definitely definitely um but Awesome, for sure. And, Eric, you've got our next story up here.
4: I do. Star Trek Strange New Worlds' first look expands Uhura's backstory. Uh, the press was treated to a proper first look at Star Trek Strange New Worlds in the form of a clip, presumably from the first episode. While the sneak peek featured most of the series' main ensemble, including Anton mounds Captain Pike, Rebecca remains number one, Ethan Peck Spock, Jess Bush's Nurse Chapel, Melissa Navia's Erica Ortega's, and Bruce Horax-Hemmer. It was Cecilia Rose Gooding's cadet Nayara Uhura who was front and <laughs> center, giving us a new insight into this beloved original series character. The clip begins with Uhura donning her dress uniform exiting the turbo lift to meet a much more casually dressed Lieutenant Ortegas. Apparently, Ortegas thought it would be funny to tell Uhura that she should wear her dress uniform to the dinner gathering Captain Pike is hosting. Once Uhura and Ortegas arrive at Pike's party, it becomes clear that Uhura is the guest of honor. We learn she is new to the ship and has been selected from thousands of applicants for the role. Pike and the other gathered crew members are curious to learn more about NIAPA. She speaks 37 languages and is still not sure if she wants to be in Starfleet. Pike asks her how someone so unsure could put in so much work to get where she is today, and Uhura gives us a brief introduction of her backstory, which was woefully underdeveloped in the original series and subsequent films. Uhura says she always planned to study alien languages at the University of Nairobi, where her parents were both professors. An accident that claimed the lives of her parents and older brother changed everything for her. She couldn't stand to be on campus without them, so she moved in with her grandmother, a former Starfleet officer who spoke highly of her time in the organization. One thing led to another, and now Uhura is a cadet. So you ran away from Starfleet, Pike puts it, a characterization that Uhura doesn't seem to take offense to. I sincerely hope you find a place where you fit in, Pike continues, wherever that may be. It seems like this quest for belonging is going to be a major theme in this series, or at least in this episode. A particularly poignant moment in the clip comes when Uhura speaks of not being sure where she belongs, only for the camera to linger on Spock, who obviously connects with the sentiment. While it is fascinating to get more backstory regarding this iconic character, the clip revealed a great deal about the tone of the new series, which is bright, colorful, and warm. Presumably, this series will not be without its stakes, but it is clear that the episodic show is looking to bring a sense of optimism and clarity into the modern Trek landscape. Star Trek Strange New Worlds will be streaming on Paramount Plus on May 5th. This sounds super cool, you guys. I love getting me a little
9: bit more ugura.
3: Well, I, I got to say, I I've been scouring YouTube trying to find... This actual clip—it's um, <laughs> it, not—it isn't available anywhere. But I've I've seen this same breakdown on several other sites, um, so I have no reason to doubt that it's not legitimate. Um, but the opportunity to see the backstory of Ahora is—I'm uh, really excited about this, and I and I hope that this is the direction they go with a lot of the characters because, like Nurse Chapel, we don't really know much about her um you know a lot of the characters we don't really know well spock but i mean a lot of the characters we just don't know a lot about so the opportunity to learn about their backstory uh pre-tos to me is going to be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to it absolutely For sure. so anyways guys we are not done yet we still have a lot to go Is there another Star Trek anthology series in the works? Dun-dun-dun, perhaps. And we still have our view of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 2, coming up. So don't worry. We still have plenty of Trek talking to talk about. Trek talking.
6: All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
3: So, is it time for an animated Star Trek anthology series? You may ask yourself. After the cancellation of Star Trek Enterprise and before the film Star Trek 2009, There was a lot of speculation as to what a new Star Trek show might look like on television. Some wondered if it would ever return as the Trek boss, Rick Berman, said it ended due to franchise
1: fatigue.
3: Those new Kelvin Trek films proved popular and Star Trek found its way back into conversations with CBS and the guy chosen to head up. The new version of Trek, Alex Kurtzman, wound up in charge of the franchise and the new show became Star Trek Discovery. Like it or not, the series has been successful enough to spawn two spin-offs, Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds, two animated shows and even more Trek in development. The original pitch was to do for science fiction what American Horror Story had done for horror. Fuller told writers James Hillebrand it would platform a universe of Star Trek shows. Fuller wanted multiple serialized anthology shows that would begin with Star Trek Discovery journey through the eras of Captain James T. Kirk and Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and they'll go beyond the time of Trek that's never been seen before. There's something that I like, which I think Robert Kirkman is doing right now with The Walking Dead, which is a kind of, I'll call it, Tales of the Federation, where you would just do one-offs, right? Goldsman told SFX Magazine, so you could bring George Takai back in for an hour and do a show about Sulu, as an older man or find Jonathan Archer having new retired from his enterprise and being on earth just to do these certain really interesting ones. You could grab anybody from all the shows because it's really hard to find enough for a series, but there are endless amounts of episodes and the anthology series are finding their way back. Said Goldsmith. There were sort of a staple when I was a boy, a star Trek based one of these, I think would be super fun. Now, we kind of already they kind of experimented this a little bit with short tracks, right, guys? I mean, that's what yeah, short yeah. tracks was about. So yeah. it's not completely unprecedented, I don't think. It's not. It's not. And I I enjoyed the short tracks. So you know, if they could get George to come back and do a do an hour thing, I mean, actually, um, Voyager's flashback was an interesting episode where they where we saw Captain Sulu briefly and you know if they could do that I would be all for that what do you guys think would you like to Nate would you be interested in seeing that something with they did like a Captain Sulu on one and then an archer on another one and they just pulled random characters out of Star Trek history and showed us what they're up to would you be into something like that?
9: Well, an anthology series uh, i guess would uh, be all right uh it would be nice even with an anthology series if the storylines uh, i think would uh, link with each other in some
3: way though yeah if they had a thread that tied them all together yeah yep but uh, i yeah i think that would be cool i would i would love to see some, we've been here and they could even they could even get you know, the, their wharf. The show we've been hearing about Captain Wharf now for years, decades. Uh, they could even, you know, do a wharf thing and get wharf into this if they if they wanted to. I think that's a great idea. Myself, I would be I would be all down uh, for something like that for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, what do you think, Eric? Anthology theories? Would you? Would something you would like? Uh, I love anthology series. Like,
4: Short treks was one of my favorite new kind of Star Trek inventions that they came up with. I loved the little tiny bite-sized pieces of stories. And I, I I can see, I'm kind of with Nate and Jim in that I hope that they would have a through-line theme, but I don't necessarily want them to look like one another or feel like one another. Like, I part of the awesome things about anthology series is that you get to mix it up, right? It's like Dark Mirror, or what was it? Black Mirror. It's like Black Mirror. You get to, like, mix it up, and you get to do something different every single time, and it all still fits in the same universe, but doesn't necessarily look the same. So I am super excited about something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. It, it gives you more of those what-if opportunities.
3: And they, they kind of did that with Short Treks because each, you know, they had the animated one. Then they had the CGI one. Then they had a couple of with Pike. Um, they, had, they had different, different, and all different directors and all different styles in the short treks, which was really cool. So I, I look, I for one would like to see that. So yeah, that would be very, very interesting, I think. So guys, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, a moral star part two. Obviously, um, but before we do that, I, I have a little clip that I want to play for you guys. I just have to find it here on my uh, my layout here um, dun 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 dun. Where is it? I got so many sound bites here, especially for tonight's podcast. I had a lot here it is so uh here we're gonna hear from Kate herself talking about what it's like to work as a team. Hi,
0: I'm Kate Mulgrew and I voice Hologram Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. This week's lesson is that when we work as a team, we can accomplish great things. We will sometimes face circumstances where one person simply can't accomplish a goal alone. In these times, Working as a team is the best possible way to carry out the task.
4: Stay close, Murph. We're gonna need some of that juice.
0: In the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Dahl and the crew strive to carry out their master plan to free the unwanted from Tars Lamora. He alone
7: is no match against the Varmicott.
0: Who said he was alone? Each of them has a role to play in carrying out their scheme. And it's their dedication to working together that pulls them through and allows them to rescue all the prisoners.
3: All right, so every week I put a post on our Facebook page and ask you, the fans, what you thought about, the pod- about this particular episode. So Eric, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what did our Facebook fans have to say about *A Moral Star Part 2?
4: Well, this one's looking really good, Jim. Uh, Ted Mazik gave it a 10. Best episode yet, he says. Mark Newstrom says definitely a 10. Ifu Loju says a 10. Top fan Jason D. Lewis gives it an 8. Felipe Ray gives it a 10. Alfonso Antonio Criales Balboa gives it a solid 10. Top fan, Christy Cummings. Do I know you, Christy I know a Christy Cummings. I wonder if it's the one I know. Gave it a 10, exclamation point. It gave me all the feels. A great episode. Ryan Bregler gave it a 10. Great series. Way better than I thought. Can't wait for season two. John McCann gave it an 8.5. And Gary Ricker gave it a 10. Can't score it higher. And I... And I'll just tell you that uh, my good friend Paul, who is no longer on the line, uh, also uh, was right up there in that 9 to 10 range with this episode. So uh, our fan score for this episode is off the charts, guys, a 9.7. It's literally the highest rating that we have had, I believe, for anything. Uh, Actually, it ties technically with First Contact for like the highest rated thing that we've ever done on our podcast uh, right below, or excuse me, right above Wrath of Khan. So that's a pretty good rating.
3: Yeah, there's nothing to to, uh, to laugh at. That's for sure. Absolutely. So now that we've heard from the fans, we're going to give it a run of aisle ourselves and we're going to give our, our scores and our thoughts on it. So uh, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
6: Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
3: Reviewing *Star Trek: Prodigy* Moral Star Part Two, and uh, David, are you with us? Can you hear me? Hi, how you doing?
1: David, David. <laughs> <I met? laughs>
3: so, uh, what, yeah, what, yeah, did very good. Of, what did you think? What you think about the Moral Star Part Two? Did you agree with our fans?
8: Oh man. Um... I was actually surprised to see uh, Janeway in there, to be honest. I didn't think that she would make an appearance, but when that happened, I was like, what? So it was pretty cool. I uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm actually glad that um, they covered quite a few questions that we had in the past, but um, other than that, I I think it was a pretty good episode.
3: Yeah, and and what did our fans give it? 9.7, Eric? Yeah, 9.7, off the charts. Wow. <laughs> so what do you think? Are you with the fans on that, at 9.7? Yeah, uh,
8: um, you know, I, I heard that there oh, was a lot of 10s in there, so I'm thinking I'm probably going to make this one uh, 9.5.
3: <laughs> 9.5.
8: <laughs> and uh, I should have done this earlier, better late than never.
5: Black alert, y'all.
3: We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler
5: territory. It-
3: yeah, there you go. I should have done that first. I don't know. I'm old. I'm eighty-nine. <laughs> what can I tell you? But, yeah. It's okay. Anyway, so, so
4: now I feel like I can clarify what David just said, which is that Admiral Janeway shows up.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, it's not just yeah, captain. captain. It is Admiral now, Janeway. I'm old <laughs> and <Let's>, now too. <laughs> let, let, let's talk
3: about this 1st let's 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 talk about this because I think this warrants a discussion. So, okay. you know, Starfleet not only made Janeway a training uh, a hologram, she's a currently active duty admiral. Is mm-hmm. that not weird? I mean, why did they would they no, make a hologram? No. I, no? no, I mean, I what think do you it's think?
1: weird,
4: man, because, no, here's what I think, and I I've thought about this. So it is at the same time, right? So obviously they took a younger version of Janeway. And if we assume that they kind of, well, we have to assume, first of all, that they developed the hologram after the Voyager made it back to the Alpha Quadrant. So, but it seems like they developed it very soon after that, probably based on the technology that the Doctor brought back um, on the Voyager. And so why wouldn't they take... One of Starfleet's most, um, you know, most experienced, most, like, level-headed. Like, why wouldn't they take her experience and actually just plug that right into a hologram? It doesn't have to be a person who's dead, right? It can be a person who's just a damn good mentor that they want to put on different shows or different shows, different ships. And honestly, we still don't know exactly why the Protostar was constructed, we get, spoiler alert, a lot of kind of clues in this episode in particular. Um, But yeah, I I don't think there's anything weird about having a hologram Janeway while Admiral Janeway is still active. And I will say that I just think it's super cool that she is Admiral aboard the USS Dauntless, which of course is the ship that has the slipstream drive. So we're talking about two ships that can travel ridiculously, ridiculously fast throughout the galaxy. And she is actually looking for the protostar, which she still thinks is commanded by Chakotay. So my big question is, Jim, where's Chakotay?
3: Where is he She still thinks he's on the ship. I I want to hear from Nate. (laughs) Nate, what do you think about having a a training hologram that's based on a currently active and, and serving aboard a starship admiral?
9: Well, I don't see a problem with that. Wasn't the original doctor still alive when the EMH uh, was, he was active? Yep.
4: Yes, he was. There's an episode yeah, of Voyager so it's, that it's, features it's, him. It's the yep. same
9: kind of thing. Um, to piggyback on some things about Admiral Janeway. Um, First of all, Eric, you said it's the Dauntless. Yes, it is the USS Dauntless, but not the Dauntless that we know from that Voyager episode. If you look at the design of the ship, it is uh, c- somewhat different um, than that version. Also, too. the Dauntless in the Voyager episode wasn't really – it was a pretend Federation ship that was created right. by – or or something like that was his name i don't remember right exactly that, that was a yep. whole um fate it was supposed to lure the the voyager and trick them so but yes if you look at the if you go back and because i went and i uh after i watched it last it week different. i did back it up yeah. and i looked at it and i was like what ship is that again and i saw uss dauntless on there but then at, as it moves forward on the screen, the back end of it is really where it changes from that yeah. other USS Dauntless. Um, also, I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm sure you did, but she has the future Star, uh, Starfleet uh, emblem on her chest, uh, which is from All Good Things, and it's from like four episodes. All Good Things, the endgame I don't remember which uh, episode uh, that uh, Jordy commanded the Challenger on. He's wearing that badge too, um, and uh, I saw a clip. I think it was on Trek Yards. I was watching their review of the the insignia. Uh, apparently, Nog was wore it in an episode as well. I don't know what episode it was in, but it was about four episodes that that uh, all good things end game. And then whatever these other two that nog and, and Jordy commanding the challenger was in Um, the uniform. She's wearing is also uh, pretty much designed from all good things end game. And, and nog was wearing it, but uh, the Jordy wasn't wearing it when he wore that badge. He was wearing a uh, nemesis era uniform. Um, so what I'm saying here is apparently we're linking to the al- some of the alternate future episodes that have come from Star Trek's past. So uh, the only difference in her uniform uh, that she was wearing at the end of this episode is that you have black up on the shoulders, uh, and then in All Good Things and Endgame, it was all that orange or maroon color, even the shoulders were. So that's, that's the only real change to her uniform from that. But otherwise, you have, you have everything linking to a future, the future alternate. or uh, It's basically like 2390 is when this com badge came out. Um, so somewhere about there, between 80, I think it's between 88 and 90. So, yeah, I didn't know if you guys noticed that she was wearing a future combat.
3: Yeah, it's from a... You can't call it a mirror universe, but it's from a parallel universe. Oh, that's universe. what I was saying. Uh, it was in All Good well, Things
9: and Endgame.
3: Yeah, And, a,
4: a, and I, th- and I think you actually point... You actually make a really good point in that, yes, there are similarities, but but not everything is the same. Not not The uniforms are not necessarily the same. So... What that to me says is that when we've looked into these possible alternate futures and stuff, you know, there were little tiny changes. And maybe the comm badge is the one thing that sort of is the through line, whereas the uniform uh, designs changed just a little bit along the way. So I don't, I mean, I, what I'm interested in is, are you suggesting that this is connected to any of those alternate futures or not necessarily?
1: yes.
9: I am I am saying that yes, it is connected uh to either all good things or endgame, uh, which both the uniform design and the uh badge design uh pretty much line up. And which again
1: is, is he, is he said the, think- the um the
9: uh the big boss enemy, what was Diviner.
4: Diviner. Uh,
9: the diviner said he came from future also. So um, to uh, back into the past when he was talking to Gwen in that whole sequence. So um, yeah, I mean that's I'm I'm thinking they link to either of those two um, appearances, uh, if not both, uh, as a as the the future that we're seeing the where where we see at the end there is actually linked with one of the or both of those episodes uh (laughs) either Endgame or all good things and don't forget another form of a mirror universe
4: well no it's not really a mirror universe it's more like
9: timeline change
4: it's more it's more like the kelvin timeline change versus like the mirror universe change that's a that's
8: not the mirror universe it's just a universal language saying different alternate timelines (laughs) i mean no that's that's true well well, the mirror universe starts with it's yeah, but the starts
4: you... out with Zephram Cochran shooting a Vulcan in the chest. I mean, that's, or at least that's as far back as we know. So, it is in some ways just a different version of a timeline.
3: Right. But and they don't have goatees, though. They've got to have, have, either, they, they have a goatee. Yeah, they don't they have a goatee.
4: Un... I just really <laughs> hope they don't undo anything in Prodigy but if they are connecting to alternate timelines, because the one thing that upsets me more than than anything in alternate timeline stories is when you spend all of this emotional capital on getting invested in the story that's happening and then it just all gets undone and it is like it was all just a dream it's like the end of lost like worst ending ever right? I, I just don't like well, stories like that
3: well we don't know the proto star maybe it it travels through time and space we, we just yeah. don't we don't know well,
8: I mean it it does harness the star's energy, and they use the sun star to travel around back in time, so maybe that's a connection.
3: I mean, they might not be where they started off at, you know? But
4: they haven't talked – but, I mean, ships keep track of chronograph – I mean, they keep track of time. Like, if they jumped to some other place, Janeway, it would be like, oh, my gosh, we're 27 years in the future, if that was a deal. I I don't think the Protostar travels in time. I just think it has an enormous power supply and a super cool engine that goes really super fast. And we don't totally understand the technology, but the one thing I will say about this episode is that I love that in some ways they soften the diviner. Now he's not just a bad guy who's doing evil stuff to do evil because he is, quote, like trying to save his people. And that concept, I, I'm interested in what you guys thought about this, that concept for this episode, because the implication is that first contact happened with his people, the Federation made first contact, something they did incited a civil war on this planet, and it completely destroyed their society within 50 years. Like, that's a, that's a big deal, right? So that definitely sounds like a timeline thing that needs to be undone. But what could... What could the Federation possibly do? <laughs> like, is just showing hmm. up enough to collapse a society?
1: And did is how the oh, text they to in second contact. Right? Yeah. It was. A, yeah. It was.
3: The, it was the Cerritos. That's what it was. It was for the Cerritos. Yeah, it's all their fault. Boimler. <laughs> <laughs> it was Boimler. Boimler did it. <laughs>
8: no, the His not... clone twin.
3: <laughs> yeah. But...
5: We talked about the two different groups on the planet. And it sounds like it's more like the ones that were supportive of the first contact and the rebel group. And the rebel group caused some kind of incident. So I wonder if there's another faction that caused the problem that caused the war. Was it yeah, and, typ-
4: and typically the Federation would uh, incite first contact once they... Realize that a society has reached warp capability. So I gotta believe that the Diviner society was fairly new to warp travel. But there's obviously a superiority complex going on with him. Like when he described what his society was like, it was it sounded very kind of Nazi-ish to me. Like we we knew we were superior, da 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 da. And then the Federation came and like it just collapsed us for some reason.
8: Uh, I don't know. I was going to say I don't know about you guys, but I got some sort of weird golem vibe when I saw the diviner when he was like he hunched just over and everything. He was like, just like my, my precious, <laughs> my precious. <laughs> He's looking for the one ship to rule them all, apparently.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Charles, on a score of one to ten, what would you give it?
5: Oh. I'm going to low about 9.2 9.2 I was was looking I was looking at our numbers and other numbers and this is tied with first contact there is only one fan review that I have record that beats this score and that is a 9.8 Five. That hope is you, part two.
1: Oh, season finale,
5: of Discovery season three.
1: Uh huh. So wow. wow. I
5: think our fans love finales. Good finales. Yeah. I think we have some good fans. We have. Well, I think. I think fans really want a good, solid ending, and they like good, solid endings, and we are definitely, they they definitely, even though this is supposed to have 10 more episodes, this is their first, first full break, and this one definitely left you right there, like, okay, this is a good episode, and I want
3: more. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm there. I, I'm right there with you. I think about a a, a nine point three, maybe. And I really like that we saw a trill on the bridge. We saw an Andorian. We saw a Tellarite. We saw Average yeah, a real Wing. Tellarite. Yeah, we saw a Tellarite well. there. So, um, <laughs> but,
5: but he, you know, but, I, but I, but I, I, was I thought that, was when cool.
4: I saw that guy – when I saw that guy, Nate, I thought of you. He did, like, yep. he looks like Jankum. It's just that Jankum is kind of a funny-looking Teleride, I think. He's got that funny-shaped head, that hairdo. But he
2: has something
3: else. He's, he he's only a kid, though. Jaw. He hasn't grown into his tusks yet. Uh,
9: no. Well, he has, he has some tusks <laughs> on him. No, but he hasn't
5: grown
3: into them yet. Yeah, he hasn't oh. grown into them <laughs> <him> yet.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny.
3: But yeah, I, I I I like it though. I I was when when Janeway showed up at the end, I was like,
1: what?
3: Um, and, well, and she's and looking was, for Chakotay. Like, and yeah, and, and there's and, the double double
4: cross, right? The double double cross where like everybody actually the kids turns out actually had it all figured out all the time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I liked it. I I enjoyed it. And we uh, we know that Chakotay is not dead because he's listed in ten episodes if you go to the page yep. so he, we're going to see a, a lot of him in the second half of the season so i don't think he's a hologram i think he's actually somewhere and also Thank you. The, the protostar comes off to me as a very tiny tiny ship um it is yeah, tiny, right? i mean compared I want, to the I,
4: enterprise I mean, d when you when you look it up it's like a third of the size
3: yeah i think it's, it's a like the size of the ship. defiant almost yeah, maybe, yeah, no, maybe a little bit, right. maybe a little bigger yeah, than yeah, the Defiant, than but yeah. But not, I, I mean, I think I want to say maybe a. a, a it's like the roughly size maybe of the, you know. a, a crew of eighty, maybe fifty, eighty. Yeah, small there's, crew. A, there's a. Yeah,
4: there's a thing on it on Memory Alpha that says how big it is. It's like 200 meters versus 600 or 700 meters or something for the Enterprise D. I can't quite remember, but I, I the. I always thought about it as about the same size as the Equinox.
3: Yeah, I think that's about right, I would say. So it's a small ship. So, um, and there's at least at least four other Starfleet officers besides Chakotay that are mentioned in the credits. So they're, there's, they're not all gone. And I don't think they're all holograms either. So they might be somewhere on the planet. Or maybe they got stranded somewhere. I don't know. But we are going
8: to see that, which is which Yeah, is I cool. got a quick question I got to ask everybody because I'm a little confused about certain things in this episode, especially when it comes to the Protostar. Um, I got the vibe that the Diviner ended up making the weapon in the Protostar, which was, I'm assuming Star, that he's talking about. But at the same time, it's a Federation ship. So I'm kind of confused, like, how... It made it sound like the Diviner was the one that built the ship, but yet it came from Federation space. I don't know. I'm a little confused of what's going on about that.
4: I think he stole it right away. Like, I think he found Chakotay and the gang out there, and he got the ship, and then he was like, oh, dang, I can strike back at the Federation with this ship. I'm going to build a weapon that will be able to do that. And so he did that, and then that's when the kids stole the ship from him. So
8: I don't think but that that, it's, somehow he had it. He he, he, he he, somehow lost the ship though. Um, he was trying to find the ship from the very beginning. So I'm a little confused. Well, he,
4: Chakotay was driving the ship around, and then the Diviner gets the ship from Chakotay, right? Because we have that one episode where Dregnock shows up in the background of a frame, and so we know that the ship gets stolen from Chakotay by the Diviner and his cronies.
3: Yeah,
8: I just I wondered why it was you lost. <laughs>
3: That that you know that I didn't think about that, but you're right because if 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 Dreadlock knew where the ship was, and could have been, could have gone to it any time he wanted to. Obviously, at the beginning of the series, they didn't know where the ship was, or he could have done that and found it himself. So there there there's a missing piece of the puzzle here that we don't know. Hmm. There's something in between there that w- that we haven't learned yet. Okay. Interesting
1: Well, well at I'm any rate just super
4: interested in ships that travel Really really fast to the Delta Quadrant That involve Chakotay
3: and Janeway <laughs> like, it, It's going to be interesting, interesting. So I'm um, yeah. We're out of time guys we, we we have taken up another two hours Hard to believe uh, I want I to thank you so to much Two to... last things before we depart though
9: Yeah go ahead Well, first is you didn't ask for my rating <laughs> Oh, I rate oh, I, this a I nine. Thought... I, last time I gave it a six. I rate this one a nine because it finished the story I was looking for. So I'm right up there with with. It sounds like all of you. I don't know if I, everybody gave theirs, but uh, nine for me. And one last thing about the Tellurite at the end. Uh, did you guys get a feel when you looked at his uniform? A Scotty feel, a Scotty engineer. Yeah. It was a
3: different uniform, yes
9: it, it, it was, Yeah, it was a different uniform it, was some, it reminded me of Scotty's Different uniform Than the standard I think marine it was, I think it was blue, wasn't it? Uh, well, I it think. had kind of the the Vest look like Scotty Wears in a, a few of the Later uh, movies um, But I, I don't remember Its primary color,
3: I just remember it being A vest that the Tellerite was wearing Yes, it was definitely different than all the others. That I remember. For sure. So I want to say thank you to uh, Craig Spruner from Star Trek Wines for joining us tonight and for the next couple of weeks. And we'll be talking about the Star Trek Wines each week. Uh, You guys can tune in on Sunday because we're going to have the full, complete, unedited Eric and Paul tasting their wines. And I'll be broadcasting that on Sunday afternoon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, any spoilers you can give us about that, Eric?
4: Uh, we wander all over the place. We really go beyond. So we, we talk a lot about Star Trek, and we dive deeper into, uh, like, where does Klingon wine actually come from? But then we go sideways a little bit and talk about other science fiction stuff we like. So it's pretty interesting and fun conversation. I definitely recommend you check it out.
3: So you guys can hear that on Sunday. And I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, David.
8: Yeah, it was really fun. I want to keep doing it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You're always welcome. (laughs) And, of course, thank you to Nate for the Star Trek Online update and for hanging out with us. And I'm definitely going to go and make myself a Klingon, even though I already have one. Yeah,
9: dude, I'm going to do mine. I'll probably create mine uh, tomorrow or or later tonight.
3: I, can I use my – if I create a new Klingon, can I put him on my current ship, or or, or how does that no, work? It's, it's no, a, it's a
9: brand-new character, starts starts its own, follows the story arc again. But, it again, the mo- most important thing is that you create it during this month sometime so you can get all the special benefits.
3: I'm definitely going to do that. And, of course, you want to say – I know Paul's not with us, but thank you, Paul, for – for joining Eric and helping us with our Star Trek wines and for hanging out with us for a little bit tonight. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you to our very own Eric, of course, for tasting the wine and hanging out with us. Thank you, Eric.
4: Oh, it's so much fun. What a what a fun segment to do for the show.
3: And, and I'm looking forward to the uh, Chateau Picard <laughs> myself.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh,
3: and I thought that was interesting when Craig said that it, came, it actually comes from the Chateau um, Vineyards. in in France.
1: Yeah. That was pretty cool. pretty cool
3: that there
4: there actually is a Chateau Picard in Bordeaux in France. So that's why we're saving that one for the uh, piece de resistance at the end.
3: Yeah, that's going to be cool. And of course, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles.
5: Oh, thank you. It's always a blast.
3: And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the episode of uh, Star Trek Discovery, which is on, which is on right now as we speak. And uh, let me see. Do I have a clip from that? I think I might. Let me see if I can. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about this episode right here.
4: Booker and Tarka must be stopped. Whatever the cost, you think I'm too close to you?
7: I believe that there is no one else who could possibly correct his path.
9: How long do you need to build a weapon? 24 hours should do it. This will stop the DMA. No one else has
7: to die. This
1: isn't an easy mission. But it is critical
7: that we succeed. Booker's outside Federation territory. be without a weapon, without a badge, without authority.
1: And there may be a few surprises. Let's get
4: to it. have Captain. If Booker and Tarka succeed, they risk
2: provoking a highly advanced species capable of destroying us all.
7: This where I get to say I was born ready. Something is coming. A life form. Whatever we think we know about species 10C, we're wrong.
3: Yeah, next week on Truck Talk, and we're going to break that episode down and have some fun with it. Well, guys, I want to say thank you for listening, and stay safe and be good to each other. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, Night, y'all. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage.